Welcome to New Cities Sermon Podcast. Join us as we root deep in God's Word, expecting to be encouraged, challenged, and formed to be more like Jesus together. Let's get into the scriptures now. We're continuing our series called That They May Be One, where we're examining marriage and relationships and worship and sexuality. And this particular week, we're going to look at friendship. We're going to be looking at friendship. And there are many challenges to friendship, which we'll talk about in a minute. But but I want you to see in just a second here a funny video about two guys who are challenged to be friends. They actually have to find an excuse just to be friends. So we'll play that video now. I appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah, today, of man. It's been fun. Uh, hope you'll come back. Oh yeah, yeah. anytime. Um, I feel like I do need to be a little honest with you before we go. Um, I don't have a podcast, and this is not a podcast that we've been doing. I I think I just wanted to talk with you and just kind of hang out. And I didn't know how to initiate that outside of the context of a podcast. So I pretended that I had a podcast when in reality, we've just we've just been two men hanging out, getting to know each other. Yeah, we've been talking for two hours. Uh-huh. And it's been a good two hours for me. I got to know you a little better and uh, I appreciate you coming by. You know what I mean? About that agreed. Can I ask you a question? If I had invited you over for two hours to just talk, would you have come over? No. Actually, these microphones aren't even plugged into anything. <laughs> these are uh, these are fake. You got anything you want to plug? <laughs> Lots of challenges to friendship. Sometimes guys have a hard time just saying, I want to be your friend, I want to talk. So we have to fake a podcast. But there's a lot of challenges to being friends uh, in our culture. There's challenges to being friends with the people that you're already friends with. And there's challenges for you personally when it comes to being friends. Uh, One of those challenges can be just personality. It's a challenge to be friends with people and find that sort of person that you click with. We look in the Bible and there's the story of King David and Jonathan, and how they were kindred spirits. And I think all of us really long for that. We long for this person, friends with, that we we just click with. And it's hard to find that person that you can both laugh and cry with. Another challenge to being friends is just this idea of being present. All right, we struggle to be present in our culture. And what I mean by this is like, if you go out to a restaurant and you look around and you see friends hanging out, you'll see often that they're also on their phones. We struggle because of the technology that we have to actually be physically present with one another. Uh, We struggle to be available. And we also struggle with relational capacity. I don't know after if you felt this way after COVID, but after COVID, it felt like I had to train my friendship muscle again. Like being in isolation for so long, it felt like I just didn't have the capacity to be with as many people as I had for, before COVID. And so not only is personality a challenge to being friends, but also just being present and having the energy, having the 
availability. But I think one of the big things that we're facing in terms of a challenge in our culture right now is we're so polarized as people. Politics have caused so much social conflict that when we think about who we are and who the other side is, it becomes so much part of our identity that we can't even imagine being friends with someone who would vote a different way or would think a different way or would have a different worldview than we would. Uh, this was shown with, uh, during a Dallas Cowboys game uh, several years ago, Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush, two people that really don't have much in common politically, actually ended up sitting together at the game and laughing together, like being friends. And someone took a picture of it and tweeted, Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush sitting next to each other at the Cowboys game, something I never thought I'd see. Really? Like two people being friends, even though they're nothing alike, isn't that what friendship's about? But it's a challenge for us in this moment because we are so polarized by politics and our social identity. We actually end up becoming friends with people because we have a common enemy. Have you thought about that? You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We often find ourselves now associating with people because we disagree about the same people. We back ourselves into friendships based on common enemies. And that actually produces more social isolation than it does friendship. Keith Miller and, um, sorry, Patrick Miller and Keith Simon said this, suddenly Jesus' commands to love your neighbor and live with meekness and walk in humility, bless your enemy and turn the other cheek sound hopelessly naive. You or we justify disobeying Jesus because we think our personal context is so extraordinarily dangerous that ordinary Christian ethics no longer apply. And then they go on to say, if your tribe is constantly praising you, that's a good indication you haven't done anything particularly courageous. So Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush actually took heat from their tribe for being friends with the other person. Now that's actually something courageous. We struggle with friendships because of our polarized context, but also just because we're afraid to be known. Sam Albury, an author, says that every human being wants to both be known and to be loved. And we're also terrified that if we're fully known, someone won't love us. And so shame can be a huge challenge for us to be friends with someone because we want that level of friendship and love, but we are afraid to be known. Where do we look in the midst of all these challenges? Tonight, we're going to briefly look at Jesus, who was called a friend of sinners. In Luke 7, 34, Jesus says this about himself. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Because of the people he was friends with, Jesus was accused of being himself a sinner. And Jesus says this, I am the son of man. I am the one who has all authority, and yet I've come to be friends with the least and the lost. It's interesting that Jesus would talk about his entire mission in terms of friendship. 
We might not think that Christianity has anything to say about being a good friend, but it's so interesting that Jesus talks about his mission in terms of friendship. In fact, he goes further than that. In John 15, verses 13 through 15, Jesus says to his disciples, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants anymore. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. So interesting that Jesus frames what he's doing and what he's about in terms of friendship. Maybe the Bible has a lot more to say about friendship than we've actually considered Jesus says that a friend lays down his life based on sacrificial love, that a friend gives himself to someone else, not based on the worthiness of that other person or based on the fact that the other person can repay him, but rather just because he wants to be a friend. And Jesus is ultimately talking about his death on the cross, that he dies, he gives his life for the sins of others because he is a friend. But it's interesting though, he says next there, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, that's kind of strange. We don't really have a category for a friend commanding another friend to do something. And yet Jesus unapologetically says, this is what it means to be my friend. Part of us might say, well, Jesus, don't say that. You're, you're sort of confusing people with a dual relationship. You know what a dual relationship is? It's where you might be someone's boss and you're also their friend. And then it becomes hard because it goes, which are you? Are you the boss or are you the friend? And Jesus says, really, he's both. That he's the Lord over all things and yet he loves sinners as his friends. In fact, he says that because of what he's doing, he is bringing sinners into friendship with the God of the universe. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. Jesus knows us and he loves us. He calls us friends and he invites us into friendship with the Father of all. So so for us tonight, step one to being a good friend would be to understand the gospel. That Jesus lived the life we should have lived, but he died the death we deserve to die because he's a sacrificial friend. And when we trust in him, we are forgiven. We're given a new way to live. We're brought into relationship, into friendship with God. And when that friendship begins to form our heart, when the gospel of Jesus begins to form our heart, it helps us be friends that are formed by that very gospel. Gospel-formed hearts create friends who are formed by the gospel, friends who love. In fact, Jesus starts off this passage by saying this in verse 12, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. What a great theme verse for what it means to be a friend. Love your friends as God has loved you in Jesus Christ. But the Bible offers very practical applications for what it means to be a good friend. 
First of all, a friend who loves is a friend who sticks. Proverbs 18.24 says, One with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Now, the word in the Hebrew that the author is using for that first use of friends, there's kind of air quotes around it. In other words, one with many friends, it may be harmed, but there is a friend, there is a friend who loves, who stays closer than a brother. In fact, that second word, friend, that the Hebrew word has the word love embedded in that. So there's a difference between someone who's a fair weather friend versus one who loves, one who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I just have one sister. I I don't have any brothers, Um, but I know people who are brothers. And the funny thing about brothers is the brothers can ignore each other until someone picks a fight, right? And then all the brothers show up and they're like, you pick a fight with my brother, you pick a fight with me. And that's because a brother has an obligation to his other brother. Brothers have obligations. They have to protect each other. But what the author's saying here is that a friend who stays closer than a brother is someone who doesn't just have an obligation. They have a desire. There's a desire to actually be a friend, someone who stays closer than a brother. They they don't just have to. They want to. They love. The first lesson on friendship is that friends stick. They stay closer than a brother. And the second one is that friends intentionally make each other better. In Proverbs 27, 17, another famous verse says, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. Now, in that, The sharpening, literally in in the Hebrew, means the sharpening of the face. And that's interesting to me, that they didn't say the sharpening of the fists, like we're going to make you better fighters, or or the sharpening of your chest, like we're going to make you stronger workers. It's the sharpening of the face, and the face is, it's the, the image of every human being. It's the fact that if you know someone's face, you intimately know them. And so what the author's saying is that When friends are in real friendship, they make each other better because they're intimate, they know each other, they know each other's face, but they also shape each other's character. I don't know if you've had a friend who has made you better or if you have friends that that you have made better, but friends make each other better. Well, how do they do that? Well, friends don't ignore each other's sin. In Proverbs 27.6, it says, The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Now, we live in a moment where everyone says, Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't you dare tell me what to do. But what love truly is in friendship is that you're actually willing to confront someone when they're doing something that they shouldn't do. The only, the the true friend is willing to challenge someone's behavior or action or attitude. An enemy actually is one who flatters and lets someone do whatever they want. Friends don't ignore sin, but here's something else. Friends also don't treat sinners as their sins deserve. 
And see, that's where the gospel makes things different. In our culture, you might find someone's wrongdoing, or you might have a tweet that's dug up 10 years later, and people treat that person based on their wrongdoing. Their wrongdoing becomes their identity. But that's not what the gospel tells us to do. In Proverbs 17.9, it says, Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. Now, we just learned that we're not supposed to ignore each other's faults and sins, but there's a difference between ignoring sin and confronting sin in love in each other. Guess what? There are no perfect people here in this room. And everyone goes, amen, no one's perfect. But what that means is every one of us needs help to grow. That means I have flaws and sins in my life, and you have flaws and sins in your life. And no one wants to be treated as their sins deserve. That would make a horrible church. Rather, we want people who are open with us about our faults and sins and yet don't treat us as they deserve because that's how Jesus treats us. Jesus does not treat us as our sins deserve. Notice the actions in that verse. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love. Now, it's not talking about hiding evil, but rather it's saying we're not going to, we're going to choose to not see that person's sin as all that they are. They are more than that. And so we are going to forgive. Too many people think that Christians are just about being nice, but really Christianity is nothing about niceness. Christianity is about kindness, and kindness is a virtue when it comes to friendship. Kindness is intentionally moving towards someone in love with compassion. Niceness is just not saying anything at all. Kindness is action. Niceness is passivity. Dr. Tony Evans talks about friendship within the Christian community, and he says this, Christian fellowship is more than a handshake or a pat on the back. It's about showing love through being kind. What do we do when we see sin in someone else? Well, friends don't treat sinners as the sin deserves. Rather, we're intentional. We're kind. We forgive. And really, all of these principles aren't just principles that we make up. Rather, they're they're friendship principles that are formed by the gospel of Jesus. Their friendships formed by the gospel of Jesus, which creates a totally new type of family. The gospel creates new friends among people who would normally never be friends, but then it turns those friends into family. And in that family, we have to relearn how we do relationships. I see a lot of memes going around that say things like, um, you have to earn the right to be my friend. I'm like, okay. You know, maybe there's some hurt in the past and maybe someone's learning a boundary. But in general, the way we do relationships in the church isn't about earning the right to be friends. Rather, it's about honoring one another. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor, and he says, don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers 
older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Support widows who are generally in need. Paul is instructing Timothy to treat people not based on what they deserve, but rather based on honor. One of the greatest ways to be friends with someone is just to honor them. And honor is so different than flattery. Flattery is you say something nice because you want to get something back from them. Honor is putting someone in a place of more importance than yourself. And so in the family of God, as we're friends, we relearn relationships, but we also redraw lines. You know, as we enter into this next political season, every one of you has lines. Who's on this side? Who's on that side? But in the, in the family of God, all the lines get redrawn. If you look at the people that Jesus called his friends and he brought into his inner circle, he had 12 disciples. In Matthew 10, it tells us their names. It says, summoning his disciples, Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter. Now, Simon at that time would have been against the Roman government that was occupying Israel. Simon would have been like your modern-day activist. He would have believed that war was a legitimate way to get rid of the powers that be. But then there's Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector. Now, Matthew would have had the very opposite political philosophy of Simon Peter. In fact, Matthew joined forces with the Romans. He took taxes and cheated his own people because he thought that was the best way forward. Many people saw him as a sinner and saw him as corrupt. And if him and Peter ever sat down in a room together, they would never, ever be friends. And yet here in this moment, Jesus sends them out together on his mission. See, if we really understand the gospel, we really understand what friendships are formed by the gospel, we understand that it creates a new kind of family where lines are redrawn and our friendships go beyond our tribe. Our tribe becomes Jesus. And whoever's in the Jesus tribe is our friend and our family. See, as we go into this political season, the temptation for you is going to be to draw lines, especially on social media, and you're going to hear people that believe exactly what you believe, and you're going to hear people that have beliefs that you think are crazy, and you're not going to take the time to actually listen to them and consider whether you should have friendship with them because you've drawn the lines in places besides the family of Jesus. I'm not saying there's not evil out there. There is real evil out there. But you are being discipled by our culture, not to be Simon and Matthew who give up an old way of life and become friends through Jesus. Rather, you are being discipled to be polarized. And the thing with the family of Jesus is it is a really big circle. Lastly, friendships formed by the gospel create a new kind of family with an expanded circle. Even Jesus himself, 
there was a moment when he was ministering and he's told, hey, your mom and your brothers and your sister are here. And Jesus says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, now Jesus wasn't saying that he didn't have a mother anymore. On the cross, he made sure that John, the disciple, took care of his mother. But what he was saying was that something new has happened, that friendships are forming based on who he is and his mission to spread the kingdom of God and share the good news. And therefore, whoever is in on that mission becomes part of the family. So as we consider friendship and the challenges to friendship, remember these lessons. Friends stick. Friends make each other better. Friends don't ignore sin. Friends don't treat sinners as sins deserve. But friends become family because of Jesus. Thank you for joining with us as we rooted deep in God's word. If you found this sermon encouraging, share it with a friend. You can learn more about New City by going to newcityhh.com or checking us out on social media by searching New City HH. We'll see you next week.